Good morning, listeners, and welcome to this week's Ag Report. I'm Jim Finn. My guests this week are Michael Daly from Chagas. I will also be talking to Jason Fleming from the IFA's Forestry Committee. I will be talking to Alan Moore from Hedgerows, Ireland. And my final guest this morning will be Rosie Bent from Grow It Yourself. My first guest this morning, listeners, is Michael Daly from Chagas. And Michael is in the Nina office. And we're going to be talking about sourcing calves, particularly the dairy beef calf, to go on to be reared to be weanland and sold on thereafter. And we're also going to be looking at how they would be maintained and what their health would like be would be like and what has to be done to keep them healthy on the farm. Good morning, Michael, and thanks for joining us. Morning, Jim. Thank you. Good good to have you on, Michael. Now, Michael, I suppose the first thing, of course, people do is go out and source calves. And, of course, a lot of calves would be sourced direct from a farm. Exactly. Yeah. For calves, uh, mm. purchasing calves can be either two sources, directly from a dairy farm itself or through the marts, mm. the mart system. And I suppose... Cross question you ask what's wanted in your calf, and basically, what because it wants really is a problem free calf. Um, it's healthy from a trusted source, um, that would not disappoint at the end of the day at slaughter age, so it has performance, has genetics in it. So, sourcing calves, um, can greatly influence the disease risk on the calf rearing farm. And some sources provide calves at a higher risk of disease than others. So therefore, the health and, and the feeding management of the farm of origin, especially the provision of beasts at birth, shortly after birth, is important. Secondly, the, the distance and mode of transport from from the mart or, or, or the source or the farm source to the rearing farm is important because you're trying to reduce the amount of stress in the calves' um, early stages of development. So calf source is crucial because we need to it's important to be able to get information about the health status of the calf in its early days in terms of what the current or previous disease problems may be on the host farm. And the difference is that if you go to a host farm versus a marsh, you have more control over the health status of the calves and reduce risk going forward. So really what you're saying to me, Michael, is that uh, if you go to a host farm, you you can see how that farm is run, uh, the the way in which the calves have been brought to three weeks or whatever the case may be when you're uh, trying to buy them and how comfortable they are and how well nourished they are. Whereas they go into a market, they can be look a bit shook. They may not look shook in the market equally as well, but no, but you have control, you have, you have a better control over the backstory of the calf you yeah. can, and, you're, and you're reducing the risk basically you're going from a farm to farm as opposed to a calf going into into a mart mixed with other livestock there is there is the potential to pick up disease pressures along the way and and and, and, and increase the stress on the calf entering your farm so you've more you, you can actually source better genetics you can have a more um control over the the, the health of the calf up to that point but Farmers that I deal with do a mixture of both, um, right. Jim, to be honest. So it's a mixture yeah. of both. Whatever works for yourself is to get a healthy calf at the outset is the most important thing. And like I suppose the reason why the health of the calf is important is like, the key targets for a calf rearing period is essentially to double the calf birth weight by eight weeks of 
ratio is 40, to, it should be at 40 to 80 kilos at 56 days. And you're targeting to have it at around 100 kgs by 12 weeks of age, which translates into a growth rate of 0.7 to 0.8 of a kilo um, um, per day. Right. And also transition the calf from a pre-ruminant to a ruminant diet without any setbacks. So it's, it's, it's to reach those milestones is crucial and a healthy calf will reach them. If you don't know the history, you don't know if a calf will reach it. And then it has it, problems later on in its life in terms of reaching target weight and slaughter at two years of age, down the road, or whatever the case may be. So it's to have those targets in mind. That's why it's important to source the calves to the, the, those targets, those milestones are reached in the early stages of the calves. Because once the calf is reared, the, work, the workload and the health is easier to manage going forward. Okay, you mentioned the health. What should a farmer who has bought, either bought in cast, whether that's farm to farm or whether it's at the market, what, what should they do when they get that animal onto their own farm? Well, even before that, I suppose farmers need to be recognised what is desirable calf traits in the first instance. So the calves should be alert with a clean, damp nose and bright eyes. Their hooves should be firm, firm, worn, flat, not bulbous or wrong with soft tissue, no lameness, knee of a car should be dry, Whittled up and shriveled and relaxed, relaxed breathing as such. Mm-hmm. Like undesirable calf traits to them would be visual signs of disease, diarrhea, discharge on the mouth, ears, eyes, and nose, lame calves, uh, labour breathing, and that kind of thing. So they're the obvious signs. So, so when the calf comes into a farm, ideally, if you could have an isolation pen to monitor the calf at the first instance before introducing it into the, the main bulk of your previously purchased calves. So it's isolated just to see what the health status is before it enters the farm. Some farmers that we had a discussion group meeting last week and the question was asked who vaccinates uh, their calves coming into the farm and it was mixed. 50% did and some 50% didn't. But generally speaking, is if you get a problem with pneumonia, you tend to, as a routine, vaccinate thereafter. So some farmers would, would, would go in with like an IBR, intranasal, um, 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 uh, for for IBR, yeah, and that gives an, an, an instant instant protection as opposed to the injection. So we recommend that if you if you if you feel as pneumonia, treat on with the calves, treat isolate the calves, treat with the intranasal IBR. It gives instant um, instant effect as opposed to injection, which takes about a couple of weeks for it to work. And then uh, once you have covered. The, the, the obvious signs of, 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 of vaccination and so forth. Obviously, then you'd be given electrolytes to the calf um, because it's, it's gone through a stressful period entering your farm. You give electrolytes for the first feed and introduce the, the milk or milk replacer in this case to the, to, to the calf. And once the calf is healthy and well, then introduce that batch of calves to the main body of calves. Um, that you that you have in, in 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 the farm. Though ideally, most farms would have batches maybe of, if you're if you're teat feeding in in the in the, you'd be have batches of ten calves maybe mm-hmm. in a group. But the, the important point is not to introduce the calves directly into the main body because you more can spread among the whole shed. If that's the case. Yeah, and of course, when it does spread, it spreads very very quickly. Uh, I suppose the other thing then with particularly young calves, and you've already uh, mentioned it, and that's scouring. So how important is it to, uh, I suppose, be vigilant that, that, uh, you know, when you are looking at the calves every single day, that if you see one that is scouring, that you take immediate action? 
Well, obviously, if, if, if you have small groups of 10 or whatever, and if, at feeding time, the calf that's healthy and well up and alert to be actively feeding, and for those calves that are lethargic and that, there could be scour issues and such. But then, obviously, they need electrolytes. The calf may be separated, separated out from the, from, the, from the group of calves, given to electrolytes, get it back and tune it again, and then back into the main group again. So I suppose it's important to get the right feeds every day. And the recommended litres per day would be, like, from week 7 to week 12, the calf should be getting about 2 litres per day and 2 feeds per day. But then once it reaches the host, the calf rearing farm, which is normal, ideally if you could source calves are 3 weeks of age, you get over that 2-week period, they should be on about... Like uh, 750 grams of microplastics, or three three liters per feed twice a day, and all these would equal if you have enough um, enough feed space, and all things being equal, those cows should try it and go forward from there. But when we're talking about scours, then there's two types, of course. So uh, one of them far more dangerous than the other. So again, if you were unfortunate to uh, get uh, an infection, uh, you'd have to be doing something very quickly. Oh yeah, obviously oh, yeah, you have to go down the antibiotic route, isolate them, mm-hmm. treat them accordingly, and and that's what you have to do. Unfortunately, like with the likes of likes of crypto yeah. and the likes of that, that that is largely hygiene based. Based, you know what yeah. I mean? So it's how clean and a good level of of hygiene throughout the the mixing and the feeding of the calves, the the ground, the the, the floor conditions. Crypto is purely hygiene, purely purely mm-hmm. hygiene, and good level of hygiene will eliminate that but obviously if you get an outbreak it has to be treated with antibiotics isolate the affected calves and go and go forward far from there coccidiosis is, is a different it's more antibiotic driven and, and that's that can be preventative preventive actions can be taken crypto would be purely hygiene largely 100 percent okay before i let you go this morning then your three top tips for anybody buying in animals well, ideally, get, get, get your source of calves correctly. Um, know the background of the calves. Um, do a vaccination program if, 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 if you're in doubt and if need be. Um, and, and isolate the calves before when they enter onto your farm and um, before they're mixed with the main body of calves. Have, have good level of hygiene in the housing, the housing, calf housing shed. And introduce your meal, introduce your good quality straw, and feed them, feed them the correct volume of of, of at the correct protein um, twice a day up to week up to week um, week twelve. And the target would be is that the calf would be roughly speaking around 100 kgs by week twelve. Okay, well, look at Michael. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. That listeners was Michael Daly from Chagas in the Nina office. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Jason Fleming. And you may remember that I spoke to Jason about three weeks ago when the Ferrari broke out with regard to uh, Quilta and the matter of uh, foreign investors buying up uh, land uh, here in Ireland uh, to plant and also buying up forestry that had already been planted. And, of course, a lot has happened in the meantime. And uh, there has it's still in the news, and I presume it will stay in the news for a while. So Jason is going to bring me up to date as to uh, where the IFA are at in this particular issue that's out there. Good morning, Jason, and thanks again for joining us. Where are we at now, Jason? 
Uh, I suppose with the whole with, with the whole Quilta thing, we had a meeting with Quilta uh, prior to the last the last time I was talking to you, and the, the, what they're saying is with with this Gresham House deal, uh, especially with the English Investment Fund, they're stopping at twelve at twelve thousand hectares, which is four thousand, we'd say three to four thousand of forestation, and eight thousand uh, of of existing forestry. J- just to go back a step, I suppose we we had a, a meeting with Quilta, I suppose maybe a year ago. And the question I asked um, uh, Quilty at the time was why why were you getting back into the forestry market uh, and, and the forestation? And what they were saying is to make up the farmers not plenty, and they had to make up the deficit. The, right. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying here is the 8,000 hectares that are buying existing forestry that's not making up the deficit or, or any targets because that's there already. So uh, the 4,000 uh, forestation. Okay, that is that is going to come into to, to play, but the eight thousand that's there already is already existing forestry. And that's within the targets already. Yeah, and what came out of the meeting the last day is uh, I I I said to Quilter, who's monitoring this twelve thousand hectares? And Quilter saying they're monitoring it themselves. Look, that's a bit of a joke that that Quilter uh, seem to uh, seems to be doing whatever whatever they want. The, the the government is after giving them license to do whatever they want. How can they be monitoring? 12,000 hectares that they're buying themselves. They came out the start of last year, right? And they said they were buying 100,000 hectares. That, that went down when it went to 12,000 hectares with Gersham House, which is the, the English based uh, mm-hmm. investment fund. And now they're down to 3,500 or 4,000 forestation. I mean, and when they're asked the question, who's monitoring it, they're monitoring it, they're monitoring it. That's, that's, that's not good enough, and it's, it's a bit of a joke. And secondly, the two main shareholders here within Quilta are the government. And there are two ministers: the minister for agriculture, which is the minister McConnell, and, and minister Pascal O'Donoghue. So the two main shareholders within Quilta are, 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 are the main shareholders within Quilta are, are the government. And when you talk to the government and, and the ministers, um, Hackett and Minister McConnell, they're they're saying Quilta are kind of gone rogue as such. And when you're saying talking to Quilta, Quilta are blaming the government because they're they're pressuring on to plant uh, because of the because of the targets. So I mean. Where is it going to stop? I don't know. There has been a lot of political activity since I spoke to you last. Uh, with this, there has been debates and it all, and there's been uh, and quite angry debates. If you, you know, I've seen some of them uh, on television, and they've been very angry. And, and rightly so. And especially, I think there was a vote taken. Uh, I think there was a vote taken the other night. Um, I think it was the Sinn Féin about the motion about. Uh, this deal shouldn't go ahead, and it was a bad deal for the country, which they're right, uh, and the Independence Alliance as well. But I think a lot of the rural TDs abstained from the vote, right? Yeah. Which, which is not good enough. Like in all fairness, they're there to represent us. We, we, we elect them to, to to stand up for rural Ireland, and uh, and if when they're abstaining from a vote, they should not be in the door if they're abstaining from a, uh, especially this affects every every person in in the country and especially rural Ireland and it, you don't have to be farming it affects all aspects of farming and everyone living in rural Ireland as well i mean the, the bottom line is here is that quilta a quilta is we as taxpayers are paying into quilta so what's happening here is quilta sourcing land for investment funds inside the country and outside the country right the the, the investment funds are paying for the land quilta are, are managing it for them and, and, and the investment funds are getting the premiums. What we're saying here is, Quilta, the, invest, the investment funds in and outside the country should get no premium. They shouldn't be allowed to get a premium. And Eamon Ryan came on the radio the other morning and said that they're looking at a facility, or, uh, facilitating uh, Quilta drawing down the premiums on their own. I mean, that's, that's, that's scandalous talk by, by, um, by, by, by a minister. For the simple fact, Quilta 
had a turnover last year of 137 million, right? Mm-hmm. How can you expect? Uh, and we, we, we as farmers, right? Uh, that, that money, this premium money that are grants that, that, that for, for setting trees was bought out for income for gone for, for, for farmers planting land. Where is Quilt's income for gone? We, we as farmers own the land, right? When we plant, plant a bit of ground, the, the, the way it works is that land is gone forever, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we, that's what the premium is for us for the 15 or 20 years. And, and, it's, and from, a, from a government point of view and from a country's point of view, it's for carbon credits, targets going forward, and for the likes of the building houses and stuff like that. So uh, how can Quilta and these investment funds have no income for gone, right? Because they are investing, they are buying into it. Uh, and the big picture here is the carbon credits as well. Yeah. I mean, we as farmers cannot draw down these carbon credits where the likes of, the likes of these big multinational companies can offset what they're doing by buying large sections of forestation and forestry. Okay. Well, that's one problem we have in forestry. I know we have another problem out there. Farmers were asked to uh, plant ash, and we have a major problem now with ash. How serious is that, and what's been done about it uh, at the moment, uh, Jason? I suppose the story with ash, we, we're, I, I said this the last time I was on, we, we're, we're running a conference. We were supposed to be running it in the, the, the this week or the week after, but I suppose this quite thing. And investment funds kind of took over, so I think it's probably probably it's probably beginning the February now. The story with it is, uh, I'll just give a brief rundown. Uh, ash tie back farmers uh, farmers that planted ash, um, the, the trees got affected uh, and they all died. And and the, the the farmers are dealing with a dead crop now. So what 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 we're, what we're looking for here is that there is a, a so-called compensation scheme out at the moment, which is an IUS and it's not fit for purpose. But what we're looking for here is a 20-year premium. Uh, and they can plant, replant whatever, be it thicker spruce or, or, or native woodland trees, whatever, whatever the farmer wishes uh, going forward. And I think they have to be seen after. This is a legacy issue of the past. The minister gave us an indication before Christmas or with, over the last year that she was going to see after these co-hearted farmers, and she has not. It's a big, big problem on the ground. I mean, and the big problem here then as well is we're going back to the same cohort of farmers to plant again. How can we expect ash dieback farmers to print another acre of ground into forestry when, when the way they've been treated with the whole ash dieback carry on? Right, OK. And how serious is it across the country? Uh, you know, have you any idea how many hectares are involved? Uh, I, 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 wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the figures off, but yeah. I, was at a clear, I was at a clear at a meeting, um, I suppose, maybe two months back. Yeah. And uh, I was very surprised to see the amount of farmers that, 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 that it was affected by ash dieback in, in Clare. I'm here in Bubble Leashed, all up the Midlands and down in Tillamook and, and, and back over to your own county. But uh, what I will say is that it's, a fix, it, it's, a, it's affecting every county in the country. And I think these, these cohort farmers have to be sent after once and for all. And, and uh, they're not looking for a whole pile. They're, they're dealing with a day crop, as I say, and they, they should get a 20-year premium. Okay, and another issue that's out there at the moment, and we have a couple of minutes left, and that is the price that Clearfell is making at the moment. Prices have dropped considerably since this time last year. Yes, another thing that's very, very disappointing for us as farmers on the ground. Um, back to Quita. Quita were, 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 were sending applications for the last few years, and they were sailing straight through within the four months' guidelines. That if, when an application goes in and when it comes out, there's a four months' guidelines, and Quita were getting it out within the four months. And us as farmers could, could be waiting four to five years, right? Uh, timber was never as high over the last year or two, right? And yeah. there's a two tier system there. We're getting the applications out now. The system is getting better, but still, like the saw log is down to 20 to 30%, which is, which is the big part of, of, of a six-foot site. 
And so we, it's a big, big problem going forward. Uh, we, we, we can play away in the game if, we, if, if, if we're clear filling. But when you're tending a size, you can't. There is a time for tending, uh, 16, 17, 18 years. And yeah. in some cases, if you don't get your license within the, the, the year or two, that it's, gone, it's gone too late for tending and you can't manage your crop. Right, so there are there are many problems. But looking for this morning, I'll let you I'll let you go. I, I, w- I would like to make one quick point before I go. Okay, if, if okay, mind. Jason. Especially about the future the future forestry program. We have a scenario now where the the, 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 the ministers any minister you're talking to is saying uh, about reaching targets. We, if a farmer puts in an application in the morning to plant one acre of ground, it's not been accepted. There's no future forestry programme there at the moment. They're not accepting the applications. For the simple fact is, our, our, our budget from Europe has not, be, is not, been, uh, has not been cleared. And that could take two to eight months. So, realistically here, there could be no tree planted within the next six months in this country. Right? And okay. we have a Minister Hackett in saying the right tree in the right place. At the moment, there's no tree going in no place. Right? So, all this, all this bureaucracy, licensing, Ash dieback, and just to mention on the ash dieback one, and I forgot it a while ago, 33 million of a budget went back to to to, to the checker from the forestry sector in 2021. If that 33 million was put into the uh, into the department for for the uh, as in the forestry sector to get licensing out, get more ecology, and 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 see after ash dieback farmers, we we wouldn't be in this scenario now. We planted six and a half thousand hectares in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. We're down to 2,000 hectares in 21. So we are engaging, we are planting, but th- this money should be, re- should be reinforced for farmer planting and farmer planting only. And that's the big problem here. And, 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 and before I go, I'll be calling in, in every rural TD and, and every minister in, in rural Ireland and independence as well to stand up for rural Ireland and come off the fence on this. We need to be supported. Rural Ireland needs to be supported. The, the, some of these guys are going up to Linster House making up the numbers. We, we, we need help and we need to be supported. And thanks very much. OK, thanks very much, Jason. And thanks for joining us. That, listeners, was Jason Fleming, who is the IFA's national chair for their forestry committee. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Alan Moore from Hedgerows, Ireland. And you may remember that at some time towards the end of last year, I spoke uh, to Alan about hedgerows and about their importance as far as biodiversity is concerned and all the good work that hedges have done uh, for the environment here in Ireland. And uh, as a matter of fact, if memory serves me correct, I re-ran it at uh, just before New Year's Day. But Alan now is back with me because there's an event taking place on next Wednesday that Alan is going to tell us all about. Good morning, Alan, and thanks ever so much for joining us and you're welcome back to AgriPort on Tip FM. Yeah, Jim, thanks for having me back again on this important subject. And as you say, um, I'm rallying support with our Hedgerows Ireland group for people to come up to the Dáil to deliver a letter to the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell. Um, we're running a coach from the horse and jockey next Wednesday at 9.15, uh, taking supporters to the gates of the Dáil, where we will be requesting that the Minister make some changes to respect and value our wonderful hedgerows. And I'll give you the details um, later on. Yeah. 
but thanks for this opportunity, Jim. Okay, now, I know you've been extremely active since I spoke to you, uh, I think I'm nearly sure it's sometime uh, in September originally, and uh, a lot has happened, I presume, in the meantime. It has, Jim, and not all of it helpful because... Mm -hmm. Many groups and individuals lobbied hard for the new cap payments to do a better job in rewarding landowners for looking after their existing hedgerows. And unfortunately, our efforts have been largely unrewarded in that the new cap has missed out on a huge opportunity to uh, to pay for existing hedgerows. Um, it's quite good on planting new hedgerows, though, again, it, uh, it missed out on opportunities. So we will be continuing the pressure on the minister to try to, in the first year of the cap, to change it and improve it um, so that our existing hedgerows can be rewarded for all the many services they provide. Principally, I suppose, carbon sequestrations, which is such a big thing, and it's going to be attracting money in the form of extra payments um, in, in the near future. But of course, as we've talked about as well, there, there are so many services hedgerows provide. They are our single most important landscape feature in terms of biodiversity, flood control, shelter, shade, landscape definition. You know, it, it's just endless. But uh, we, we therefore have a, a double recommendation for the minister when we hopefully meet him next Wednesday. One is to improve the payments, as I've mentioned, and the other is to improve the protections, which are still very poor, very limited, largely limited to the nesting season. So we hope that uh, we will get somewhere at last. And we have been absolutely overwhelmed, Jim, by the public response to a letter that was published in the Irish Times last Friday. Don't know if you saw it, Jim. I did. I was just going to refer to it next because there's some lovely uh, statistics in it and people wouldn't be fully aware of the amount of or the, uh, the linear length anyway of hedgerows that we uh, lose in Ireland every year. Yeah, I mean, people are shocked and they, they kind of ask us, you know, are we serious when we tell them that upwards of 3,000 kilometres of hedgerow continue to be removed annually? But these are not our figures. These figures are official. Um, the Envir Environmental Protection Agency uh, with aerial photography keeps an eye on this kind of thing. So we cannot afford to be losing uh, hedgerows uh, at, at any rate, and certainly not at that rate. And, and it is this loss which has prompted us to band together and get the department and the minister to, to get with the program, Jim, because mm -hmm. as I was saying earlier, the, the, the general public and the vast majority of, of landowners and farmers um, and fishermen and beekeepers and environmentalists and, and the Irish Country Women's Association and all the people who signed the letter, they are aware of what we are losing and we are now putting it up to the minister to get the rules, regulations and payments up to speed with this knowledge. Right. And the minister should be very receptive to your delegation on next Wednesday, given the emphasis in the CAP programme. Now, I know it's not enough, but at the same time, there is big emphasis in that programme 
uh, right up to uh, 2027 uh, to protect a lot of the heritage that we have. And I'm looking at hedgerows yep. as being heritage. They're, they're just more than impediments to stop animals getting through. They really are a heritage here in Ireland and very, very important heritage. Yeah, I think the, the minister um, almost certainly does get it. And I mean, it remains something of a mystery as to why the cap was so disappointing because there is good stuff in there and, and let's be mm-hmm. clear the new the new acres scheme um has uh, you know some very useful elements including um hedge planting and some reference to hedge maintenance and and, and cutting but uh, it was in the eco schemes that things really uh were, were so disappointing because the department made an estimate that hedges are, are 10 meters wide, which is some sort of a departmental calculation, which doesn't make sense, but it has the effect that 96% of landowners get their two eco schemes without actually carrying out any environmental action. And, and this is not an incentive to, to, you know, to good practice. And it's something that I think that the EU uh, will certainly be reviewing in the first year of the new cap. But it, it was a missed opportunity and uh, we, we will be pressing him hard to, to, to change things for the better. Right. And of course, you're talking about a review in the first year. There's definitely a big review that takes place, uh, you know, in midterm as far as CAP is, is concerned and has that has happened in all the CAP programmes. So uh, I suppose that would be one place that or one area that you should be aiming at to try to get uh, those improvements built into uh, the midterm review. Well, there certainly is a midterm review, but uh, we are informed that there will be a review in the first term in Mm -hmm. view of the concerns that you see. It's not just us who have been drawing attention to the deficiencies in the new cap, um, that there are many other groups who are of a similar view. And we are informed that the, the, the DG Agri and the DG Environment will be looking very closely at the, the cap in the first year, Jim. Right, that's that's interesting. I haven't had heard that, but I do know there's a midterm review. Anyway, yeah. uh, before I let you go, Alan, uh, I suppose you better give me uh, the details again and put out a call for as many people as possible to join with you on yeah. that bus uh, to Dáil Éireann on Wednesday next, the 15th. Yeah, the simplest thing people can do is to ring this number uh, if people have a pen to take it down, uh, and it is 86 9707 to book a place on the bus, um, or they can alternatively email us at saveourhedgerows at gmail.com, saveourhedgerows at gmail.com. So uh, we look forward to a lively and, and good-natured event uh, we'll have people in beekeeping uniforms. We will have um, apples from Contrast's farm and, uh, you know, a very mm-hmm. broad representation of people, including, for example, members of the fishing fraternity, uh, the, the shooting uh, clubs, because it's just extraordinary once you get involved in this subject, Jim, the number of people who uh, value hedgerows and whose sport or whose work um 
depends on hedgerows. Take, for example, the, the pollination of, of apples, of soft fruit. Mm -hmm. uh, that depends entirely on pollination uh, by bees. So we are pulling together a big group and we're expecting a, a good reception when we get there to the doll. And other than yourselves from Tipperary, are other counties joining you and other uh, uh, environmental organisations going to join you outside Dáil Éireann? Yeah, we've had feedback from yeah, from the four quarters of the land, and yeah, we I just had a just before I came on mm -hmm. air, I had a, a message from somebody in Cork wanted to know if there'd be anybody on the train with them. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's it's going to be quite a, a broad based um, from the four corners of the country. We hope. OK, well, look at Alan again. Thanks for joining us. And by the way, listeners, if you want to be on that bus, it leaves the horse and jockey at 9.30 on Wednesday morning. Well, 9.15, I'm saying just to be safe, okay. uh, Jim, so if there's any traffic. So to, to meet at 9, we'll try and get away. Uh, 9.15 is the time we're telling people just to be on the safe side. And bring a placard with an appropriate caption if you wish. That, listeners, was Alan Moore who is with Hedgerose Ireland. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Rosie Bent. And Rosie is going to talk to me about a programme that was launched last Wednesday. It's Let's Grow. And it's a programme for primary school children. And it's from the uh, GIY people that we talk to every year and they're always coming up with new ideas and Rosie's going to tell us all about the launch where they had uh, the minister launching it on on Wednesday last. Good morning Rosie and thanks for joining us. Good morning thank you thanks for having me. Okay now Rosie will you talk about the launch? Yeah so we launched Super Value Let's Grow in Skullmurra in Inchcore in Dublin with um, some fantastic first class students there um, that we had Minister Heather Humphreys came over and threw some soil around some of the kids and out in their amazing school garden they have there with, um, run with the help of a brilliant volunteer called Gary. Um, so they have a, a great um, garden there at the moment already and they have big plans to, to expand with an outdoor classroom if they can as well. Okay, I know we're after having a few very nice, fine days, spring kind of days during the week. And of, yeah. course, of course, was the ground dry there uh, in Inchcore? Yeah, well, they have raised beds, so it ah. was perfect. Yeah. yeah, okay. okay. So they're very lucky. Now, okay, then t now tell us a little bit about this particular programme, Let's Grow. Yeah, so Let's Grow is partnered with SuperValue. This is the first year of our partnership and we're delighted to be on board with them. And this campaign will be sending out kits to 1,600 classes across Ireland. And in the kit is everything they need to grow. They have five packets of seeds. They have pumpkin cress, salad leaves, sunflowers and peas. And they have a pot for everyone in the class with some compost and a teacher's resource guide in Irish and in English and a bookmark for each student and a wall chart for the star grower every week. Um, so they work through the different activity sheets in the in the resource book over about 12 weeks of growing. And by the end of it, they should be able to have some little bit of food that they can eat themselves if they grow all by themselves. 
When do they then start now, Rosie? That's when when does does it kick yeah. off for any primary school? I suppose yeah. we're coming to a week now that they'll be going on midterm break. Yeah, so the registration will close the end of next week, which is the 17th of February. And then we hope to get the kids out then the week the kids are back from midterm, which is the week of the 27th of February. Um, so they'll have them like in the first week of March, they'll be able to plant everything up and, and start growing from there. And then we're looking at 12 weeks after that. So, yeah, so it'll kind of run until kind of the end of May when mm-hmm. the kids will kind of start ramping up. They go into June, but probably be like the, the end of May, early June. And then we will be able to pick a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, from all the amazing um, entrants that we'll have, we just want to see what they're growing and follow along with the activities and share that on social media and we'll pick a winner who will win money towards the school garden. Okay, now let me come to the school garden now that you have mentioned it. You know, some schools, the space they have will be very limited. uh, Whereas maybe out in a rural school in any part of rural Waterford or rural Tipperary for that matter, uh, they'd have plenty of ground. So, uh, yeah, do so they need much ground, to... Rosie? No, like the school we were it went for the launch and in Shakur is um, near the centre of Dublin. Now they have a lot of ground there because they're part part of the church there, which is great. But they still only have a tiny little bit for growing. So they literally just have four raised beds, and with that they're able to grow um, a whole range of vegetables. So they still get the the experience of growing and it's but it's still in a small space but even if they don't have any space outside they can grow in the classroom with this school kit and um, because they can have all the little pots on the on the windowsill and we'll still be able to grow things like salad leaves and peas will they then be germinating most of the packs will they be germinated inside and then transplanted outside or yeah so yeah. there's for the very beginners, um, mm-hmm. is cress, so that will that will germinate in like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's great for the smaller kids because they see um, something almost straight away. And then with the peas and the pumpkins, they will grow to like a small amount, and then they can transplant them into bigger pots. And with the pumpkins, eventually outside, and the sunflowers again, they can put them into bigger pots or outside. And then the salad leaves you could leave inside and um, just put them into bigger pots. So there's a bit of um, a different levels of growing in different spaces. They can do different things with the seeds that they have in the kit. Okay. And you mentioned then monitoring what they're doing. What do they yeah. have to do to mo- uh, so that they can be monitored? And people like yourselves and whoever is judging this particular yeah. competition, they see the progress that has been made by... Any national school, no matter where it is, whether it's in Donegal or Kerry. Yeah. So in the teacher's resource guide, which is in the kit, mm-hmm. there is a lesson that's five different lesson plans. And with each lesson plan, there is an activity sheet. So if they complete the activity sheet, there's um, a small little challenge along with that, which is just to show, just take a picture or a video of that, of that activity and show the result of what they've done. So there's one where they colour in a sunflower and they they figure out like what each part of the plant is. And then there's, there's a few different activities, but nothing is too complicated. And it's really, we just want to see people getting into the spirit of it and sharing what they're growing with us. 
And you're expecting then that schools will use their social media platform to yeah. uh, keep their parents, etc., within that particular school informed of everything that's happening with the uh, project Let's Grow. Yeah. Now, let me come to your sponsorship or your association with SuperValue. Now, SuperValue, I suppose, are one of the uh, big supermarket chains here here in Ireland, and they're very much into Irish product. Yeah. Yeah, so SuperValue are all, all about Irish food and fresh food. And this campaign is a perfect partnership with us because they want to see kids start from the very start to get used to growing their own food and in GIY we have this concept called food empathy which means that if somebody grows even a tiny bit of their own food it gets them thinking about the whole every all the food that they consume so even if they just grow some salad leaves as a child Mm -hmm. they might think that you know maybe strawberries I don't need them in January because it's a lot of work to grow them and we transport them miles and miles and that's not necessarily a good thing so they'll get more used to to fruit and vegetable that's in season instead of having what's available all year round and thinking about the work that goes into producing food locally here in Ireland. It's the first uh, time you've teamed up with Super Value. Uh, yeah, this is a br- yeah, yeah, this is a brand new partnership so it's the f- first year of a three-year partnership so we're really happy to be partnered with them. They're a brilliant partner and they're very supportive. And of course, uh, most communities uh, would know a little bit about them because they are the people uh, who sponsored uh, the Tidy yeah. Towns competition yeah. across the country every year. So they're very commi- yeah. they're very committed to, I suppose, keeping our tidy, time, towns tidy, sorry. And now yeah. they're, they're breaking in and they're going to be uh, dealing with the younger people in the community. Yeah, and as part of our Let's Grow campaign, we yeah. will have a kind of a uh, next step um, after Let's Grow. If the teachers want to, with the students, they can apply for a Tidy Towns award through Super Value as well. So it's kind of to bring them on to the next step in in becoming having their garden become part of the community. Any parents that are involved with uh, on the board of management of their schools? or any teacher that's teaching in any school across the country, and they want to get involved in this, what have they to do? So if they just go to www.supervalueletsgrow.ie, they can register there, and we will be sending out the packs then the week of the 27th when kids come back from uh, midterm. And if anyone has any questions or anything, they can email uh, Rosie, that's myself, at GIY.e. So it's R-O-S-Y at GIY.e. OK, well, look at Rosie. Thanks ever so much for joining us this morning. That Thank list- you. That listeners was Rosie Bent from GIY telling you all about their new programme, Let's Grow, and they've joined up with Super Value. And if you would like your school to be involved in this particular project, why not contact them at www.supervalueletsgrow.ie and join in. That, listeners, is AgriPort for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me, Jim Finn, at the same time next week for another AgriPort on Tip FM. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock. And after that, 
Eamon Dwyer presents Down Your Way. <laughs>